Can I sing you something? Yes. <clears throat> okay, ready, ready? Yeah. La, 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 la. <laughs> Did Sean Mendez just enter the freaking Zoom? I'd be doing that all the time, Marissa. Me too. It's so it, it gets really stuck in my head. <laughs> la, la, la. I'm at work. I'm like, la, 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 la. Have you watched the movie? No. Me either. I heard it was good, but I just don't understand. I don't understand why he's a singing crocodile because that's not what happened. In the <laughs> I said the same thing. Lyle Lyle Crocodile is a talking crocodile. Mm-hmm. He's not a... Why? I, I guess we're going to have to watch it to find out. Maybe you should watch it with Sylvie next time you can watch a movie with Sylvie. I definitely should. He, we, we were going to take him to the movies to see that. Yeah, he was really, and I bought him the book and everything. And Lyle Crocodile, he he saved his family from a burning building. That's like, right, which sounds more exciting than him being a Shawn Mendes singer. Right, and wasn't the lore like everybody was scared of him because he's a giant crocodile, but he's actually really nice, yeah. and like that was his whole. Bit. Like you can't have a crocodile, right? And. I think, like, the neighbor's cat didn't like him or something, so the neighbor called, like, pet control or something yeah. like that. And then while they were taking him away, the house was on fire, he ran in the house, he's saying, yeah. And the other weird thing is, like, he was, like, anthro from, what's the word? He was, like, walking around on two legs, like, wearing clothes and shit, yeah. right? Yeah. In the Sean Mendes movie, they have him just, like, he's literally just a crocodile that sings. Like, he he he's moves like a crocodile... What's up with that? And why Sean Mendez? Why Sean Mendez? My theory was that they hired Sean Mendez and then realized he couldn't act, and then they had to change the script and just had him sing. But then why did you hire Sean Mendez in the first place? Right. So that's that on that. And part of me is like, maybe they did it so that teenage girls would go see it, but I'm also like, this is a kid's movie. Right. It, like, I guess kids like Sean Mendez too. I don't know. Do they? Who's Sean Mendez's target audience? Not me. Not me. They're 14 year olds? Yeah, they're like, yeah, I guess teenage girls. Teenage boys and girls. Not teenage boys. Do you think he's gay? Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> glad, we're, glad we're on the same I gotta double check. I gotta make sure. Yeah, everybody's gotta be, he's, that's an LGBT. Um, but I'm Liza. I'm Riz. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up. And he went completely out of his mind. La 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 la. Lyle, <laughs> Lyle, crocodile, sing your song. King shit for real. So funny. Um, any lit news? No. Kelly Ling's new collection of short stories came out. Yes, and you purchased me. My store only got one, and I said that's ridiculous, and it sold out that day, and then I had to order one and wait for it to come. And now we have another one on order because people keep buying it, and we didn't get enough in. But that's just none of my business. That's people don't listen to me. But now you have your copy. Oh, yeah, I have my copy. And that's all that matters. I have my copy. I made a Reddit post the other day that said, um, what's your favorite Kelly Link story? And everyone wrote in it and said their favorite Kelly Link stories um, because she's amazing. And yeah, that was really fun. You're like the leader of the Kelly Link fan club on Reddit. She said, there goes my hero. Yes. That's what she said. That's. That is what I said. Um, 
that's pretty good lit news. Mm -hmm. It is now officially Autism Awareness Month. It is Autism Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. Happy Autism Awareness Month. Is everyone aware? Is everyone aware? Are you aware of some books you could read by autistic authors? Because if not, we'll post a link. Mm -hmm. We read some last year. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of cool ones. There was more than what I... I picked one book, but there was plenty... Um, Plenty to choose from. And it seems like more and more books featuring autistic characters. Mm -hmm. Especially YA, which I think is really important. We're going to make an end cap, which is great. That's Very awesome. excited about it. That's really cool. In YA? I think it's going to be, I don't know where it's going to be, but it's going to be a collection of all different kinds of books. Because I found, I know there's like a... um. There's a young reader that I found the other day. There's some YA. We could put some, like, um, actual books. Yeah, like nonfiction. I feel like there was a um, a picture book that I remember, but I can't think of what it is. There probably is. Lots I of fun ones. There's some adult fiction, too, so. Yeah, lots of romance, actually. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Very fun. Very cool. But hey, what hey. week? What week is it here on Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast? Dead week. Dead, dead week. Um, do you follow Jasper the doll on TikTok? No. It's this weird doll, and like she has like Sharpie all over her face, and she talks like this, and she's like, "Can I please have a snack?" I love her. I'm gonna send you one of her TikToks so that you can look at it. Please do. She's just doing her thing. We love that. Thing. The way you said dead week reminded me of her. Dead week. But hey, it's dead week. It's one of, it's the best week. Raise your hand if you're dead. Raise your hand if you'll one day be dead. There's a book called Everyone in This Room Will Someday Be Dead. It's That's because that's true. And that's literally so true, mm -hmm. Beth. Uh, we love dead things. Dead. We we like death here at the Little Sleep Much Reading podcast. We love it. We're a fan, if if you will. And I guess Dead Week is just celebrating death, not in a like bad way, in a good way. Mm -hmm. And reading books where death is the main theme mm -hmm. what did you read i read under the whispering door by tj clune is it clune or is it clooney it's clune right i think it's clune okay i think it's clune too so that's what we're gonna go with and i read all the living and the dead by Haley campbell which is nonfiction. Noise. noise fiction but they're both about dead people nonetheless. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Would you like to go first? Yeah. So my book is about this guy named Wallace and he was a lawyer very successful, Richie kind of guy. Um, and one day he wakes up and he's looking down at his body because he died. And next thing you know, he's at his funeral. And he sees there's only a couple people at his funeral, his three business partners, his wife, and then someone he doesn't recognize. Um, and it turns out that she, her name's May, is a reaper, and she brings him to this tea shop where he meets a ferryman who's going to help Wallace comfortably pass through the door. Um, and so 
while he's deciding how he feels about death and his own death and death of all kinds. Um, he's living at this tea shop with these people and he's just surviving in death. Um, little ear. Um, so yeah, so he's just dead and he's learning what it means to be dead and um, how to be a ghost, which is really interesting. And yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel like a lot of books about death aren't actually about death in a lot of ways. Like if I think of like the five people you meet in heaven, books about what I mean to say now that I'm thinking about it is books about death are as much about the person's life as they are about their death um which is super interesting super interesting so yeah let me pull up my reading scale oh death you strange thing okay so for readability and interest i gave this a 6.5 it is kind of a slower-paced book, and I think that's because most of the book is taking place in one spot. Um, Wallace, the main character, he can't leave. He can't go anywhere. If the dead person tries to leave the said cafe, their skin starts to, like, flake off, and they start to, like... Hold on. Um, their skin starts to like flake off and they start to like, I don't know, almost like disintegrate and become like a husk, like a shell of themselves. Very silly, very goofy. Um, so I... I didn't like fly through this book because it is it's almost like I think it's almost 400 pages. So it is a quite thick book, um, but I steadily moved through it and that's fine. For language and style, I gave it a seven. I had to think really hard about this because I did not like the writing style, I would say. But... I think that T.J. Klune has his own distinct style, which is interesting. Um, so that's why I rated it a 7. I was going to be like, okay, since I didn't like it, I should rate it a 5. But then I thought about it, and I was like, no, because he does have his own style, and I think I could recognize his writing if I just... If all of the pages flew out of every book in section and I picked up one, I think, and I read it and it was from one of his books, I think I would be able to know that. So therefore, I give it a seven. Um, me and Liza were just having this conversation. So this book is actually coded to be in fantasy, Um as are his other two books, which is House in the Cerulean Sea and In in the Lives of Puppets, I think we decided it was. Um, I just want to see... So the House in the Cerulean Sea is definitely fantasy. And I think In the Lives of Puppets is also definitely... Right, because House in the Cerulean Sea is about magical youth. So that sounds very fantasy. House uh, in the Lives of Puppets, obviously, is about puppets. So that sounds very fantasy. But this book, I'm kind of on the fence as to if it is actually fantasy or if it is just fiction. And more importantly, if it is adult fiction or if it is adult fantasy or if it is YA fiction. And 
And like there are some like adult things that happen in the book, like sometimes they say like suggestive things. And I guess there was like one part where he was like learning to change his clothes and he wound up in a bikini. But I mean, like, it still felt very YA, even though it could be a little bit more adult topics. The writing feels YA. Um, and again, I kind of, I really don't think that this would be fantasy. I think it's more fiction, but that's just me. Um, for shelf-worthing read again, I gave it a six. And that's just depending. Like, again, I know so many people who would eat this book up. Personally, I'm going to keep it on my shelf. I got the Barnes & Noble exclusive edition. And so the um, the pages aren't, it's not, beveled pages is when it's uneven. What is it when it's sprayed? Is it just sprayed edges? I always just thought it was sprayed edges. Okay. So the edges are like sprayed, which means they're colored. This one has like a beautiful design of trees on it. I also bought House in the Cerulean Sea, which has like a twilight sky on it, I guess. Um, and I'm going to keep them because they're beautiful books and I think they're great, but they're just not my cup of tea, really. Um I probably won't read this book again, but I, I know people who would eat this book up and who would absolutely love it. Um, just not me. So I just gave it a six. Still going to keep it. I think, I think you can get it from the library. I think you'd be fine borrowing it. That's up to you. For plot, I gave it a seven. Um, I think that the idea behind this book is really cool and some of the concepts that it does. Like I said, this guy's dead and he's his ghost form is living in an earthly plane in a house that he can't leave. And he's with May, who is his reaper, and he's with Hugo, who's the ferryman. So, like, it's interesting to take the idea of a reaper as, like, you know, this isn't someone who is, like, collecting your soul or who's, like, waiting for you to die. This is someone who gets a file when you die that says this person is dead go get them you know what i mean they they the reaper isn't like in support of death in this book um in a way that i think a lot of reapers are thought to be and then i also just like the idea of like the ferryman like the person who literally like drives you to the afterlife but instead of that it's someone who will just walk you to a door and be like this is your door are you ready to open it and I think that's so interesting and and even though you are dead and you're just a soul um you have time to to think about your life and to reflect on your life and to move forward with I think there's something about this book that the plot makes really interesting that even though he's dead, his life's not over. Like, he's no longer living, but but this between part of death or whatever this is, this part of death that he's in is still almost a continuation of his life. He still, he still looks the way he did when he died and he's still like, the person that he was when he died but now he's you know reflecting on his life and learning more about who he was and changing that so yeah so I like how even though it's death it feels like it's a continuation of someone's life in a kind of way and I also really like the idea of death as a business not not exactly a business because I feel like when you think of a business you think monetary value but I think almost like a machine like death happens, someone collects you, they bring you here, you come to terms with everything and you choose to cross over and you have someone who helps you do that. I mean, and then we don't know what happens. We don't know what happens under the whispering door, but I really enjoy that, I don't know, idea of it. And it definitely makes it seem like less scary in a way, which is kind of great. Also, to continue on plot, I think it's a little bit daunting 
to make a book about death, especially after the five people you meet in heaven. Like, how do you top that? That book was so friggin' good. And this book is so close to being like, to having that same concept, but just doing it in its own way, which I really love. Um, so, okay, for characterization, I gave it a 6.5. I think the characters are very tropey. Um, the main character, Wallace, he was a lawyer. He was a dick in his life. He's angry. He's very like, well, I'm not happy about that. Well, that's stupid. Like, he's very cynical and pessimistic, but he's like growing to be a good guy. And um, there's also like another ghost that's with him who's a grandpa who carries a cane and hits people with it. And even though he's old and frail kind of ghost, he can take care of himself. And he like he's he's very much like a Rafiki character almost. Then you have May, who she's an Asian character. She from what I've read about her background, she had like. A very she had a household where like her mom wanted to be only American even though they were Chinese American and so everything had to be a certain way kind of thing and then she was kicked out um and she has a very like strong girl attitude like very like I'm gonna kick some ass kind of attitude then you have Hugo, who's the ferryman, who's like super empathetic, super wise, even though he's quite younger. Super like, oh, I'm carrying the weight on my, sh- I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders, kind of character. That kind of thing. Um, so the characters felt very tropey instead of realistic, and I think that part of that is the reason why it felt more YA to me. And there, there totally is a kind of comfort in those characters. But like, unfortunately, there's something about that that makes the characters not realistic in a way, especially with Wallace, the main character. Like, I just don't see the change that is happening in him to have happened the way that it is, even though he is dead, whatever. Also, I will say weird themes are being sprinkled in the book and I'm just unsure if they're totally fitting um one of them in particular seemed to have come out of absolutely nowhere which is kind of interesting but yeah that's my thoughts on that interesting Mm mm-hmm I've never read The Five People You Meet in Heaven. No? <gasps> Liza. Did I read it? Yeah, and it's really thin, too. You could probably read it in a day. That's the same guy that writes Tuesdays with Maury. Mm-hmm. Okay. Album, yeah. It is just about, it's just like an imagining of the afterlife. Kind of. It's about this guy who, it's, it's almost, this is why, this is another reason why I think you'll really, really like it. It's almost like um, A Christmas Carol. Oh, cool. It's almost like that where, like, he has, like, the three ghosts. It's five people meet in heaven and, like, people who are significant to his life. That kind of thing. And, like, taking you through it in that way. Right. Interesting. You would really like it. I also, just for a second, was wondering if, like, jumping back to Under the Whispering Door, I wondered if, like, because I looked him up and TJ Klune is white. Um, but I wondered if he's like very influenced by Asian culture and then like what that means as a white person to be like using that because like I know like reapers are something that is like a very big part of Chinese culture so when you said that the reaper character was Chinese I thought that was interesting Mm. and then also like the concept of a tea house and like waiting for death in a tea house is like something that also I feel like comes up in like Japanese culture and I thought that was kind of weird that he like it's very cool but like it's just kind of weird that it's like a white guy doing that right right 
I like the the aspect of the tea house is actually really cool because like part of Hugo being the ferryman, he like before May brings the ghost to him, he picks out a tea based on them, mm. like without having ever met them. And then like when Wallace drank his tea, he had like a flashback to his childhood. And I thought that that was very interesting but i'm like i see what you mean there right also okay so when okay so before the coffee gets cold is from 2015 under the whispering door is from 2021 before the coffee gets cold is a novel by a Japanese author and it's not about the afterlife but it's about being in a cafe where if you drink the drinks in the cafe you have the ability to time travel okay customers have the opportunity to travel back in time of their choosing The seat is only available when the ghost that usually occupies it goes for a toilet break. Once back in time, customers can't leave the seat. The only people in the past who can be met are people who have visited the cafe. Whatever happens in the past, the present won't change. And most importantly, the customer has to return to the present before the cup of coffee gets cold. Interesting. That's a little weird, right? Mm -hmm. Because I that kind of that when you were describing it, I was like, that reminds me of this one book I really wanted to read which I think is also based on Japanese like folklore. And it's like a cafe where the ghosts reside, which is a common Japanese thing. Hmm. And they can go back and drink the, they drink the drink and go back in time and learn like life lessons while sitting in the cafe. Super interesting. Super, super interesting. Um, super tea gonna- right there super tea and it's like that's not to say that you can't be inspired by other writers but it is a little strange Mm -hmm. um it is a little strange there was one part where um a ghost came in and he had died tragically. And when when I was first reading it, I was like, if he died by an OD, I'm going to have to check out of this book. Yeah. And did he? No. Damn, bitch. Mm-hmm. So we're not really sure how we feel about that book. Right. I'm, eh. I'd say it's very average at the most. Right. Right. And it's questionable. Right. Interesting. Do you hear Bean snoring? No. She is snoring. I was watching Bean bite her little toes earlier. She does be... Look at her paw. She's so cute. She's celebrating Dead Week by sleeping like a rock. That's the way we should celebrate Dead Week. This is me trying to wake her up. No, she said. Well, while being rest peacefully, I can uh, talk about my book this week. Oh, also... I think it's kind of fun that we read one book that's like the afterlife and one book that's like literally just death because it's like nice to have both to think about both things I think Mm -hmm. when you think about death because I'm definitely not one of those people that's like the afterlife like don't think about the afterlife because you don't know even what it is but I'm also not one of those people that's like don't think about death as nothing because there's an afterlife. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I feel like you have to find like a nice balance of like 
welcoming conversations or books of about both into mm-hmm. your life. So I think it's cool that we did that for Dead Week. I love us. I love us for that. Um, oh, Bean. She's awake. Bean, get in back into character. Oh, she's so dumb. She's not even... She's never even looking the right direction. See? Okay, she's done. Um, so yeah, I read All the Living and the Dead by Haley Campbell, which is a fairly new nonfiction social sciences book. Um, Haley Campbell is a journalist who primarily does write about death care and the death industry even before she wrote this book. Um, but this book is really cool. It's like low key the fourth book of this style that I've read. So I've read all three of Caitlin Doty's books, including From Here to Eternity, which is one of my favorite books I've ever read, um, which explores death culture in different places around the world. And then it also kind of reminded me of the book Stiff, um, by the author Mary Roach, which is um, a book about the different kinds of human cadavers. And this book kind of falls somewhere in the middle of that. It is an exploration of all the different people who make their careers out of working with the dead. So in this book, she, Haley interviews and gets to see how the people work of a funeral director a director of anatomical services at the Mayo Clinic, a death mask sculptor, a disaster victim identification worker, a crime scene cleaner, an executioner, an embalmer, an anatomical path, anatomical pathology technologist, which is basically like a autopsy tech, um, a bereavement midwife, a grave digger, a crematorium operator, and somebody from the uh, Cryonics Institute. And it's really freaking cool. And I think Haley, first of all, offers a really beautiful depiction of all of these professions. But she doesn't shy away from getting into the grittier parts of it as well. Because, like, even, like, when she's talking to the crime scene cleaner, you know, she's, like, talks about how his personality is really interesting, especially from other people that she's met for the book, because he does have this sort of like no bullshit attitude towards it. And he is kind of like desensitized to death. And he like runs an Instagram account where he like posts pictures of the death scenes. And she's like getting into like, what are the ethics behind that? Or when she's like talking to the executioner and she's like trying to get him to talk about like how he lives his life after having been an executioner or you know she's she discusses the times where she went and interviewed these people and it had like profound impact on her that she wasn't expecting and really offers just all these different perspectives of all the different kinds of people um that work in the death care industry while being very um like analytical in the way of a journalist, but also very gracious about these people and what they do. Um, So I thought that was really cool. She also has a very, um, she herself has a very, I think this book would have been different if it was written by somebody that didn't have such a strong connection or interest in death. I mean, obviously, right? Like someone who didn't have that feeling like, wouldn't even read the book I mean wouldn't even write the book but like she has this closeness to the idea of death that like if I'm jumping back to the other books I mentioned that like for example like Caitlin Doty has like a very intimate connection and reverence for death care whereas like Mary Roach who writes all these different science books about all these different phenomena did sort of look at the human cadavers as more of a spectacle than anything else um and i don't think Haley campbell is doing that she's really getting into into the the deeper sides of it so i did not do the full rating scale because it is nonfiction, but i did do bits and pieces of it 
So I cut out plot, characterization, and form. But otherwise, for readability and interest, I gave this book an 8.5. Um, it's split into multiple different sections, and you can definitely take your time with this book if you're somebody who is like a little bit more perturbed by death. Like I think there's no really problem in just reading one section a day or really taking a while with this one but I read it pretty quick I found it so interesting and this is exactly my cup of tea and also it was still stuck in my head after the fact and I think that's the something I really like about reading nonfiction sometimes especially when it has to do with topics like this is in a way that fiction sometimes doesn't do this it lets you keep thinking about it all day um well after even after you close the book or it lets you like go look up other stuff and find new sources so I thought that was really fun for language and style I gave this book an eight like I said I think Haley Campbell has a really gorgeous writing style she it's it's actually quite beautiful and especially when she's describing things that aren't very beautiful I I think it I just loved it like because she wasn't skipping over anything either like she, she wasn't skipping over the sort of bleaker parts of death just to protect not only to protect the reader but protect the the writing she was just finding a way to write about it that I don't even want to say it was delicate because it was still very like in your face like whoa like this is what a dead person looks like or like this is what this is what an autopsy tech has to do, what an autopsy tech has to smell. Like, this is what happens when a person has been in a freezer for a few days and then you take them out and like all this, that, and the other. Like, she didn't tone it down by any means. You could still feel all of it and feel the weight of it. Um, but she was still writing about it in a really like kind of beautiful way, which I respected. And then the last section I would have rated is shelfworthiness. I gave this book an eight. I'm definitely going to hang on to it. I definitely think it's a read. And I wreck good read um, for a lot of people. Obviously, not everybody can handle descriptions of death like this. Like this, you can't read a book like this and be like, okay, everybody, here you go, read it. But I'll still recommend it to a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people in the same way I recommended from here to eternity because I think in Western culture specifically, death has become such a taboo that people are so scared of it to the point where even reading about the very natural aspects of it could throw them into anxiety and panic. But at some, I mean, like Marissa and I said at the beginning of the episode, it happens to all of us, every single one of us. There's no getting out of it. And um, it happens to people you care about. It happens to people you know. You see it. If everybody sees it eventually. And it's just like, I think the world would be a lot better place if we all just understood death a little bit more. Um, and then I don't think we would be as scared for whenever our like moment comes. And I think that's why death care workers interest me so much and interest Haley Campbell so much because they said, okay, well, I'm going to get up right up close and personal with death and I'm going to make that my life's work. And they don't get like talked about enough and like applauded enough for doing this necessary work that so many people are e scared to even read about and so you kind of owe the death care workers that too but like I'm like that's why I'm like I would recommend this to a lot of people but obviously it's not going to be for everybody like I consider myself somebody who's pretty comfortable with death um and so for example the portions of this book like about like the funeral director and the um and the anatomical services um guy and the embalmer or the bereavement midwife like all of that I just thought was really interesting and really wonderful in a lot of ways and I really appreciated reading it about it but at the same time 
the section, for example, about the um, what was the name for that career again? Hold on. The section about the disaster victim identification worker. That section like really bothered me, and I had to take my time with that section, and I was actually like really anxious while reading it and after reading it and so that just proves that like there are parts of death that will always scare you so like for example if I wasn't at all bothered by and I actually thought the part about the funeral director was really lovely and then I read the part about the disaster victim identification it's like the part of it the part of death I think that bothers me that I found out by reading this book is like the unexpected aspect of it. So like when you're old or you have cancer or something like that, you know you're gonna die. And then the people who have to take care of you know that too. The people that take care of you in death know that too. So there's like a sort of more like serene aspect to it. Whereas like disaster identification, like the complete unexpected happened to you and then this guy who he's a great guy but this like poor guy that has to deal with you his whole life is dealing with these horrible tragedies that just happened to people that didn't know that was going to happen to them earlier that day and I think that's the part of it that bothers me so like obviously there's going to be parts of death that don't sit right with everybody but I think the other cool thing about like reading these types of books is that like you get to pinpoint what it is about death that bothers you and then maybe you can work on coming to terms with that um because it's natural to have fears about anything but like you shouldn't walk around just like scared that you're gonna die like that's no way to live and so I think that's the other reason that like I really like these kinds of books and like ties back into like what I was talking about earlier in that oh here we have Marissa reading a book that's like a meditation on what happens after you die in the you know the plane or the realm that we cannot see and then here on this hand is a meditation on what happens when you die in the physical world and like what exactly happens to your body when it's no longer you um so I just think that's it's interesting to to really think about both those things and like not be afraid to think about both those things and not push them out of your brain when they come into your brain um and just to know what's tea so that like you can deal with stuff when it comes up um like I like to know what I would like to do with my body when it's dead I feel like everybody should kind of think about that um, or like knowing that like if you have a family member who's going to die someday that like knowing that after learning about death and death care, what you can bring yourself to do or not do is like important so that it's not just like the first time you're experiencing it, you just get thrown right into it and don't know what to do. Um. So very cool. I definitely, definitely recommend All the Living and the Dead. Um, And I hope I read more books like this. I think there are a lot of, like, fun isn't really the right word, but they are kind of fun. At the same time, like, I I get enjoyment out of it. And not in, like, a morbid, like, entertained, like, by the morbidity of it way. In, like, a, like, wow, this is really interesting. And these people are really cool. And I respect what they're doing big time. And that's a T. I don't remember. Did you read Stitch by Mary Roach? I think her name is. I did. Um, and that was the one that was about human cadavers. Mm-hmm. And I really, really liked it. I thought it was so fun. But that was one where, like, I was saying, like, Mary Roach writes about so many different scientific phenomenon that I think she does make Stiff a little bit more of a spectacle than Haley Campbell does in this book, if that makes any sense. It does. I I, I was asking because I was going to see which one you like better because I have Stiff on my shelf. I just haven't read it. I definitely um, like this better 
But Stiff is still really interesting because it goes into things that Haley Campbell doesn't go into. Mm. Because mm. it's all about human cadet. Like, this is about w- being a death care worker, whereas Stiff is about the different jobs dead bodies can have, basically. Right. That makes yeah. sense. So this is about the jobs of the living taking care of the dead, and the other is about the jobs of the dead, like what dead people can can do in death. I like that. Which is very cool. Like it's it like I don't I personally wouldn't want to be a human cadaver. Um but it's a very cool thing to want to donate your body to something like that. It's also just interesting that like humans just go through so many processes without really knowing what we're doing if that makes sense yeah like if you go in for this is probably a bad example if you go to like the airport you're kind of just going through the motions in someone else's process yeah and it's kind of interesting i think i think it would be beneficial to know the process that you're going through after you're dead when you really have no control in it right and that's why i'm like you should pick out look at all the different kinds of disposal so that you can pick the one you feel more comfortable with because what if you never ever looked up different disposal methods and you just say well i'm going to be cremated because that's what most people do you don't know how the process of cremation works Mm -mm. or like if you want to be embalmed so you can have an open casket you don't really know how the process of embalming works. Like, you're not going to be there to see it. So you might as well figure it out now and make the choice ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And I think it does make it less scary to know. Because it is the unknown process of death and dying that's scary. So if you understand the process... It won't be quite as scary. Right. Period. 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 Oh, yeah. Period. So that, that's dead week. We love dead people. We love dead things. Love dead things. They slay. They slay. slay. One day we be slayed. Yeah, like when Sam Hunt used to say like, we're all just made of stardust and we're all just drinking dead people. Mm-hmm. And one day you're going to be a tree. Mm-hmm. That's tight. And that's absolutely right. That's tight and that's absolutely right. Girly pop. Schleiza. What are we doing next week? Next week, we're celebrating, I don't remember exactly what it's called. Is it, was it just Teen Lit Day? Teen Lit Day. Teen Lit Day. That's what we're celebrating. Teens getting lit. Teens getting lit. And by lit, we mean literature. Literature. We were both teens. Um, We were teens once. We were teens that really liked to read. Yes. Not that long ago. Not that long ago. And even though we were teens that like to read, that doesn't mean that we had the chance to read every really popular teen book from our time. No. So we're going to take a little trip back and read stuff that we forgot to read in the moment. Um, so I'm going to read a book called from the series um it's the first book in the series and that book is uglies by scott westerfield and it came out in 2005 oh that was a long time ago but it was a whole series and it was hugely popular it was like probably the first really popular dystopian book because i think it came out before hunger games technically Mm -hmm. um and it's going to be made into a movie now, which is, like, pretty late for it to be made into a movie. Um, but I'm super excited. Yeah, it came out three years before Hunger Games. So it was kind of the kickstarter of that dystopian movement. 
So I'm very excited to finally read that. Wow, yeah. And Riss, you don't know what you're reading yet, but you have some options. I don't know what I'm going to read. I'm either going to read um, Cinder or Girl in Pieces, which I have both in my TBR. Or I'm going to read Twilight, which I have somewhere in my house. Or I'm going to get Divergent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I forgot that you could still always get Divergent. Mm -hmm. Cinder. I remember when everybody was reading Cinder. Mm -hmm. And I've literally had Cinder on my shelf for probably 10 years now. Yeah. I mean, it's 10 years old. It's a 10-year-old book. So I have a lot of options, and I'm not really sure which one is going to be the right one. But we're going to see. I'm just looking up. Okay, Twilight, the book came out in 2005, too. Ooh. That, that's funny. Um, Why did I think Twilight came out in the 90s? <laughs> I wish it came out in the 90s. It'd be a very different book, I think, if it came out in the 90s. Um, I'm excited to see what you pick. And I'm really excited for this week because, girl, I love to read me some YA. I always have a grand-ass time reading YA. The it's going to be fun. The most fun. So we're very excited about that. And is, and... That, all, is that all they wrote? That's about all she wrote. We'll see you next week. We will see you guys next week. Bye.